Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I am truly gratified that many of us, many of us are finally reaching out for help when it comes to navigating our life. A lot of us going through lots of challenges and struggles, you know, back, say, 15, 20 years ago, people wouldn't be so comfortable in hiring a life coach to help them look at their lives, find goals, get accountability. But thankfully, that's changed and people's lives are moving forward. This gentleman knows that very well as a life coach, and he also helps uh, populate content within the digital world, all centered around life coaching and those topics connected to it. We're going to talk to him today. Ja Harvman joins us on the program. Ja, welcome. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm well. I appreciate you being here. Uh, when it comes to the coaching, as you help people navigate and move their lives forward, what are you hearing right now from people? What are they truly dealing with, the, the majority of people? What, what's coming up for you? Um, I know across my clients that there's just a general feeling of just being stuck or being lost or just feeling like they somehow failed at life, right? And most of the time, these clients are the ones who follow the typical, you know, I would call it life script. You know, you go to school, you get married, you have kids, you have a job. If you deviate from that specific formula, then you can't find true happiness, when I don't think that's true at all. Um, a lot of these, a lot of my clients seem to have messed up at some point. You know, they seem to feel like, you know, if they took too long in college, then they failed at life. If they don't have kids, you know, if they're infertile or they simply don't want kids, then they failed at life. If they didn't get married, then they failed at life. None of that is true. All the mental health issues seem to be this, like, central focus on fulfilling that life script instead of fulfilling what they want to do for themselves, right? It's something external, like the, inter the focus on the externality that's causing this kind of, like, buildup of emotional turmoil, which is manifesting as mental health issues. Why do you think that people are stuck right now? Um... Why is that, or, or we've always been stuck and didn't realize it, and, and we're more in tune with ourselves and our surroundings and our lives and, and things like that. Um, what are your thoughts overall? Um, mostly I think people are stuck that way just because um, our society, through its rugged individualism, through the idea that you should solve your own problems, it has neglected to the fact that our society has become a lot more complex, and as a because of that, um, it's very hard for people to individually solve their own problems nowadays. You know, back in the generation of the boomer generation, I noticed they had a lot more free time. There was a lot more they could do with their money, you know, hobbies, interactions. There was a lot more self-motivated activity that caused them to put effort into their lives. Now our society demands a lot more of pretty much everybody's time. There's no ability to put effort into what someone truly wants, what they want for themselves. And because of that, they put less and less effort because they're not seeing any reward, right? And then once they're not seeing that reward, they put less, that feeling of just like putting, you, whatever effort that you put in is not going to reward you. It causes you to fall behind because you feel like nothing matters, that you won't be able to 
pull yourself up by your bootstraps, as they say. So hmm. a lot of people, they feel stuck because there's a, they feel this attachment to this life script, and it requires a certain amount of effort. But if they, you know, they're not being rewarded from their efforts, like from the time that they're small, then, you know, they're not going to build that effort. They're not going to follow that life script. And the more that they fail at achieving that life script, the more they feel distressed and the less effort they want to put in. It's kind of like a negative feedback loop. Understood. Uh, it's interesting when you look at, you talk about the boomer generation and the values there. You know, I look at a younger generation now in that they, the quality of life is very important. So whereby the boomer generation had more time, yes, and, um, you know, maybe enjoyed certain things. Uh, It was a very strong work ethic. Work, 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 work. Whereby younger generation, not so much, but then they're also struggling too because of the economy. So it's like a give and take. How about working through traumas? I know that that is one of the biggest challenges for, for all of us. And a lot of those challenges came from typically our childhood. Subconsciously, it's been placed in there. Uh, when you work with somebody through challenges, what, what seems to come up on average? Um, well, in terms of like traumas and specific challenges, a lot more people just, it seems to be that they are actually facing like multiple traumas like and they don't know which one to focus on mm. back then a lot of people had specific tra- traumas like they had traumas due to like parental neglects they had traumas at school through the bullying teasing right there's trauma there was trauma uh, from economic forces there were just there was there's always been a lot of suffering in the world but people could typically at least focus on one thing at a time so that they could evolve kind of through the traumas if they had the strength. But now it just feels like everything is just piling on. You know, there's we have the news, the media now. Before, you could just put all that information and you could just, like, um, ignore it. Now on social media, you're bombarded with, like, news of, like, the Israel-Palestine, Gaza. Uh, you're bombarded with, like, the cri- climate crisis, everything. There's so many problems that you feel that are personally attached to because we all share this world, right? So, of course, you're going to feel that collective responsibility, but it has kind of taken away awareness from our individual responsibility. And a lot of people, I notice that they are going through, like, some things that may seem basic and foundational, but it's actually... It's, it's, it's an overwhelm of anxiety, of depression. Those are the two words that I hear the most time. They feel anxious or depressed. And whenever I talk to them about, well, what kind of depression or what type of anxiety, they don't know specifically, right? So a lot of people are facing different types of depression, like existential depression. They're too focused on, you know, what meaning, like what is the objective meaning of life? What are they supposed to do? Instead of asking themselves what they want to do in life, what they want to experience, right? There's also worthlessness-based depression. I see that from a lot of clients with narcissistic abuse, right? They don't feel like they are worthy of whatever they earn. They don't feel like they're worthy of anything that they're given Mm. because, you know, they had these parents who told them growing up that they were worthless, that, you know, they couldn't do anything right. And it's just built, built, built on that drama, right? And then there's other types of depression, like, um, for example, just like general seasonal depression, right? 
It's mostly just that, you know, everyone is angry. Everyone is, you know, like on this, during like the summer months when it's hot, people get angry because, you know, it's just the environment. They're absorbing all that heat, all that anger, all that hate, heat energy. And, you know, that can increase depression. That can increase depression and anxiety. And the more it's just, it seems like more and more is just getting piled and piled on. It's just like a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. A lot of people don't know like what the root cause of their, they, they're too focused on the general state. They don't know what the root cause of it. And that's what I usually help them with. Now I'm, I'm wondering with the whole situation overseas going on, even though we're not directly connected to it, many of us, just knowing there's stuff happening, does that amp up the amount of anxiety that we have? And we might not even know that's that's what's going on. Yes, that that does amp up the anxiety because, you know, people, we are emotional creatures, most of us. We, we feel each other and we feel all the pain, that conflict over there. But at the same time, that is not the responsibility of the general populace to deal with. That is the responsibility of the government, the governments of the world, to go handle that situation, right? But now the media is broadcasting it, and people are being asked, to like, what side are you on? What's this? What's that? That is taking too much emotional, like, um, mileage from people. People need to be separate from that issue so that they can focus on their own lives, so that they can focus on their own business. They can... They can solve those traumas, they can evolve, and then, once they are ready, then they can tackle ideas like that. Too much is being asked from people about people from that media coverage, right? The media has become a little bit too polarized, asking people what, which side they're on for each and every one of these small, very, very indirect, very inconsequential issues to most people when they need to focus on the basics getting food for their families, just like improving their skills in this hectic job market, just like paying their rent. Those are the basic foundation things that people need to focus on, not all of these political ideas. I want to go back to something you said, Ja, uh, a couple of moments ago in that us not feeling worthy, even if we have prosperity, we many times just feel like, oh, well, you know, I don't deserve that because... It's my understanding that many of us feel that we're not good enough. And that came from our childhood, whether it was intentionally said to us from our parents or somebody, or we just internalized it or we felt it. Uh, do you feel that that is a, that, that I'm not good enough feeling is, is a kind of a, a baseline for a lot of things that many of us deal with? Yes, that is one of the biggest, um, like this, this loss of self-worth, like that people, you know, not only just following the life script, when people see on social media all these people just making it big at the ages of 21, 18, child prodigies or um, celebrities, hip-hop artists, all becoming rich at 21, thinking they, they failed at their life, but, you know, their life is like 60, 70, or possibly 80 years old, you know, they still have plenty of time on this earth, but they've already feel that sense of failure. And a lot of the um, unworthiness also comes from, like, parents just trying to compare their children to other people's children instead of just, like, teaching their children to compare themselves to, the well, themselves, right, their own personal progress. 
a lot of parents have treated like their children like as a competition. It's been ingrained with us with this like capitalist idea of compete with others, be the best, be the best, be that, right? These parents just like, um, you know, even in schools now, just like, oh, join the sports team, join this club team, instead of asking them like what they learned, how did they feel, just like who did you beat, who did you do that, right? That sense of self-worth is tied to something external instead of something internal. Instead of enjoying the process of, you know, being on like the sports team and winning, Instead of enjoying the process of learning something, people are so focused on getting the reward, you know, like winning the state championship or uh, being the best at something, right? Because if they're not the best at something, then who are they when our society only recognizes, only rewards people who are the best at what they do? Gotcha. Um, How did this begin for you, Joth, this whole journey? Now, I know that you produce content digitally a lot of it centers around the things that we're talking about here um but also the life coaching how do all the pieces get together in this puzzle well i mean growing up i had dealt with a a lot of different traumas i was a gifted kid um but it really just uh taught me to focus on the outcome i developed poor study skills most of it's just some direct personal experience Uh, i've been through bullying i've seen Growing up in the hood, I've seen a lot of criminal acts. I used to be, I, it was just a lot, right? And I really wouldn't have made it if it weren't for a few key people in my life who pretty much brought me out of it. I moved around a lot from Pennsylvania to South Carolina to New York, so I've been exposed to a lot of different environments, a lot of different cultures. And, you know, sometimes I sunk, sometimes I swam. I never always knew what was the right thing to do was at the moment, so I just had to learn to just be in the moment to understand, right, that um, to understand things like in the moment, to f- just hear people, to feel what they're feeling, right? And that's kind of how I started. And I can, I, I can totally relate to that because I was bullied when I was younger, elementary school. Um, had a big impact. <laughs> Very big impact on my life. Uh, when you look back, and it's like connecting the dots, uh, how did that? How does that affect you now? You know the stuff that you went through, and you know other stuff in my childhood. Not that it was horrible, but it was um, yeah. There was there was challenges there, so I I totally relate to that. When when it comes to you working with somebody, how does that usually work? You know, if somebody's never worked with a, a life coach before, uh, how do you explain the whole process to them? Um, well, first I would, you know, get, I would ask them, like, who are you? Usually they reply with their name, but I'll try again. It's like, okay, but, like, who do you, like, who are you? What do you feel your sense of self is, right? And that's usually harder for people to answer. And then that gives me an idea of, like, do they identify with some external thing like their name or do they identify with something deeper, their core? Like, who do they want to be? Who Hmm. are they? Like, are they sensitive? Are they you know, strong, are they caring, adventurous, all of that, right? And then, you know, once they recognize that, then, you know, they they start kind of understanding, you know, they have a sense of self, and then we go on from exploring that. I'll usually ask them a few questions about, like, what do they like to do? Like, what, um, what, where are they currently in life? Just, like, being in the moment, right? And describing everything. A lot of clients don't really have that, they don't know how to put it into words, so I'll usually just go directly into a sense of feelings. Like, 
what do they feel right now? If their heart is like fluttering, you know, that's kind of like a nervousness, right? Like getting them back to understanding that like feeling the foundation, that, you know, like as their blood pressure, like um, not blood pressure, but like does it feel like they're, um, there's tingling in their like, um, in, uh, in other words, the prickly and needles, you know, that could signify that, you know, they're, on high alert, their, like, blood pressure's out, right? Like, from that type of, like, flow. So once I start getting them to feel again, once I start getting them to, you know, understand that they are someone, they are, like, an entity that has, like, needs and things, then we start talking about all their problems. And, you know, you know, get the feeling. They tell me they don't feel worthy or they feel stuck or that, right? And then I ask them, you know, like, why do you feel stuck? Why do you not feel worthy? And sometimes, they, most of the time, they actually just say they don't know why. And then so I ask them questions like, what was your childhood like? What was this like, right? What did, what were the times that you felt unworthy, right? And then, you know, then they start putting the pieces together. They, then they start putting the puzzle together. And, you know, it's just pretty much guiding my clients through just like, starting back at that child when they were hurt, right? Because once you get hurt, it, you don't actually develop until you you kind of just go through the motions, you go with the flow, people say let it go, but you're still stuck at that time where you were traumatized as a child, right? You don't grow emotionally. You don't, you just stuck there. And that's why they feel stuck. They feel like they just don't have, they don't, like they're just going through the motions, they don't know when it's going to end and they just don't understand how to get out. And that's what I help them with. I help them getting out of that, like, bottomless pit that they just seem to getting bigger by reminding them that, you know, they are a person. And then we usually just go, we have a, like, short discussion, and then um, I talk about what problems they have in their current life right now. Once I note that, I'll start, um, if we have another session, then I'll start, giving them ideas um, about specific, like, mental, emotional, or physical exercises that can help them get over those problems, right? Because I want to give my clients choice. A lot of therapists, a lot of life coaches, they just tell their clients what to do, hoping that, you know, um, that it'll work for them. But you have to remember, it. like, every person is unique. Every person is a special entity. You have to, um, you have to build and carry things based on their needs, right? Not based on what you think uh, the trend is, right? You have to focus on the drop, not the ocean, right? So that's what I do. That's how I help people, like, go through these challenges. I find it interesting, John, that what you're doing is you're taking them back to maybe the first time that they they experience that feeling, yeah. uh, maybe of worthlessness or what, whatever it might be, Uh and I've, I've done hypnotherapy to go back to see that, which I don't think you need to. I did. It was somewhat impactful, but I already knew. I had a feeling that I had to connect the dots back to my childhood. But I, would you say that the majority of the stuff that we deal with nowadays really did come from our childhood, like before the age of seven? Yes, it does come from the childhood. It comes come from like those foundational like um, development because the, the, the problem is that children are the, their learners, right? They don't know anything about this world. They don't know any the rules, any of the customs. They have to be taught by their parents. 
and when their parents don't know how to teach them the proper way, then, you know, children aren't usually aren't self-motivated enough to seek out their own answer. They have to learn to seek out their own answers. It's very, very rare for children to seek out their own answers, right? So that's what I kind of, um, that's kind of what the my Lexo sessions are. It's just like getting them to unlearn all those negative bad habits and to kind of like teach them new ways to evolve. Like getting them to try, getting them to do those experiences, right? And sometimes it's as simple as, you know, like I even had a client who um, he, who was embarrassed that he couldn't read, right? So I recommended him picture books. He was like, those are for kids. I was just like, oh, they're for kids, but why not just try it, right? It could be for adults. They don't have to be for kids, right? And as he started reading picture books, right, his reading level improved over time, and he, and you know, he felt a sense of excitement, and, like the whole world opened up. And all of it was because, you know, his teachers. He said his English teachers. He like he called them stupid. Said he would never be nothing. They wouldn't be anything, right? So he just he just gave up on reading, and mostly because he was a visual learner. We're all baseline kind of like visual learners, right? You don't really know what a word is until you see a picture of it. You see. You say, what's that? That's a tree. Now you know. You gave that thing a name. That's a tree, right? And most people, they are visual learners. They need to see something to call it a word, right? They need to see it in action. They need to experience it. And so, even, you know, like, as embarrassing as it was for him to be having to read children's books, he needed to read those children's books so he can rebuild that foundation. Like, you cannot build something if the foundation is rotted. I love the way you look at that in that uh, we're a fresh slate when we're born, when we're kids. We're all the same. We're all the same. There's, there's, you know, you even take a look at kids that uh, hang out with kids from other cultures because they don't see anything different. It's we're a clean slate. And then we're so impressionable that those little things become big things later in life. Uh, how do we connect with you, Joff? Somebody wants to make those changes, talk with you, have that accountability to to really move their life forward if they're stuck. What's the best way to to connect with you? Um, the best way to connect with me is on jharfman.com. That's J-H-A-R-V-M-A-N dot C-O-M. Um, I have a contact form on there. They can also just reach me um by email at jharfman at gmail.com. Um, if they want to talk, we can use Microsoft Teams. Um, we can set up a sessions in those ways. But usually my life code sessions are, um, they actually, usually my life code sessions are like do Teams. I haven't fully set up through my website yet, but it's on the, it's in the works. It should be end, it should be done by the end of the week. Got it. Uh, it's, you really do have an understanding of what, uh, what motivates us and what is driving us right now. Many people don't even know what that is. So the starting point is having that conversation. Is it a free consult when somebody works with you? Um, yeah, they can have a free consultation, like through email. We can just talk about if I don't want to take on a client and then they don't feel like they're getting any value from it. So sure. just send me an email. Just put, you don't have, it doesn't have to be in perfect English. I don't really care about the English. Just Send whatever you can put, whatever words or thoughts you can put onto your, in your head, onto the form. Or um, you can 
Also, just call me at 347-338-9503. Beautiful. Ja, thank you for being with us today, unpacking all of this and making it to a point where we can really understand what is going on and why we're stuck. And a lot of us don't realize that, you know, like you said, that it comes from our childhood. So I appreciate you being here and look forward next time uh, we get a chance to get together. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're coming right back. Hang on. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world. This is the podcast business news network. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.